folks we are really melanated your two favorite horror aunties talking about movies one of us is obsessed with but we both enjoyed i'm ashley always with the canadian homie carolyn hello <laughs> hey carolyn today is your day it is all about you what are we discussing i'm so excited uh today we are discussing the 2004 film alien versus predator pop 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 why is this your favorite movie well, for many things, many reasons. Uh, I love me some Sanaa Lathan. I love her so much. Uh, first time I saw her was in Love and Basketball. And then I saw her in Something New and Brown Sugar. And she was just kind of like the that black rom-com heartstring pulling lead. Yeah. And uh, I just thought she was so... There's something about her that I really liked. And she just has like just like this energy about her that I really liked. So when I heard she was in this film, uh, kind of flipped out. because I'm like, say what? First of all, because we love us some black women in sci-fi and horror. So to see her in this was, uh, it was just amazing. Uh, the synopsis of uh, Alien versus Predator, because just a side note, the synopsis on the back of the DVD is terrible. I've been reading, just kind of scrolling, like looking through the internet and all the synopses are terrible. So I wrote my own because this is the real deal. Alexa Woods is an environmental technician and guide. She is hired by Charles Bishop Whalen, head of Whalen Industries, to take a team of scientists into the Antarctic in order to investigate a newly discovered pyramid buried deep below the frozen surface of an abandoned whaling station. When they arrive, they trigger a mechanism that reveals the real purpose of the pyramid. It is a place of ritual for young predators as they hunt xenomorphs, our favorite drooling killing machines, within the structure as a rite of passage. Alexa must keep the team and the world safe before everyone becomes casualties of the deadly alien confrontation. The film was directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, he's also known for the Resident Evil fr franchise, and it stars Sanaa Lathan as Alexa Woods, Lance Heinrichsen as Bishop Whalen, Raul Bova as Sebastian De Rosa, Ewan Bremner as Graham Miller, Colin Salmon as Maxwell Stafford, Tommy Flanagan as Mark Verhaden, and Agathe de la Boulay as Adele Rousseau, and Ian White as Scar, the Predator. The concept came from a Dark Horse comic book in 1989, and the story came from uh, alien creator and screenplay writer Dan O'Bannon, and his longtime writing partner, Ronald Shusett, as well as Anderson um, and Shane Salerno. So the film uh, was written by uh, Anderson and Shane Salerno, and it did okay at the box office, but it didn't do so well on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the critics hated it, and fans took issue 
with some of the liberties that they took with the mythologies of the Alien and Predator franchises. I, I, that's what I was going to say. I'm like, do, pe- do people hate it because it doesn't... And that was always my idea, is that people hated it because it didn't fit the mythos of either series. Well, yeah, because it took liberties. Like, I know there was a lot of talk online about, like, the gestation period for the the alien because uh, i noticed that yeah yeah like it's too it was really fast um Mm -hmm. but i guess obviously for story for their script it needed to move the story along um well i I just noticed this too like it seemed convenient that the alien is killed every time (laughs) you know be such a, (laughs) a killing machine I don't know. It seems pretty easy to conquer, even though it's a, a killing machine. But I don't know. I guess maybe the Predator is a much better uh, warrior hunter, I guess. I don't yeah, know. that was the idea in this universe. It seems like mm-hmm. the... Pre- I think what it is about the Predator is that it's a little bit more sophisticated. I think it's. I think its intellect is a little bit more fine-tuned. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just a killing machine. Like, it has an intelligence to it, which is why right. it could probably outsmart and outwit an alien. I think maybe physically there may be, they may be similar or maybe, you know, blow for blow, maybe, or maybe the alien's a little bit more advanced in the air, in the, in the area of killing, mm-hmm. but the predator has, you know, uh, intellect on its side, I think, and techn- technological advancement. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I think, yeah, I guess the alien's more like a hive mind, like, you know, we, we do your bidding, we do the queen's bidding. Um, and also there's a, a really good, um, youtube video by croft talks about movies and he gives a timeline of where each film fits so this movie is after predator 2 and before uh alien versus predator requiem which um i like to refer to it as uh avp or i know what you did last summer (laughs) like it's like one of those teen horror movies it's horrible it was really horrible. I never yeah. seen it, so I didn't. I wouldn't expect that. Yeah, it was not good. It was like there's a storyline of, um, uh, oh my god, what's his name? Johnny Lewis. Remember that actor that he ended up dying. He had a the tragic death. It was not not nice. Anyway, so he's like the main character, and he's kind of like this, you know, like nerdy guy that likes the pretty girl and the predator. So it opens when the predator alien i guess predalien bursts out of the predator's um body at the end of avp and so it opens there where the predalien grows up i guess and runs amok on the predator ship and it crashes in this small town and then it wreaks havoc and then there's this kind of teen angsty i like the popular girl but i'm a nerd storyline and they mesh the two and it's terrible <laughs> So, yeah. Oh, that sounds really yeah, it's bad. not good. Um, but which is, I don't know, I just feel like the, uh, I guess, the surrounding films around AVP, they don't give that film justice because Anderson did a really good job. Like, it's a nice looking film. It's really nice looking. Um, the special effects, they had like um, an animatronic queen, which was, you know, it took a lot they put a lot into that it's just a beautiful looking film in my opinion yeah you can tell it's cgi you can tell cgi sometimes mm-hmm. but some but especially in the close-ups it really does look practical and i kind of like mm-hmm. that like i liked seeing the hands like her claws and 
yeah, it's just beautifully designed. And then the amount of uh, effort they they went into creating that whole pyramid and the beautiful carvings and uh, like there's a scene where they're shooting and like the predator attacks them in a, one of the hallways. And it kind of hurt me to see them blowing up <laughs> all the sculptures. I was like, oh, I kind of like, I think there's an accuracy. I was thinking about it just going off of my cursory Black Studies 101 knowledge. I think the way the pyramids were, um, were, were built in Egypt or Kemet, if for you conscious brothers and sisters, um, is that they were kind of sometimes they were tombs for royalty and yeah you couldn't go in and be like grave robbers or like you know it wasn't a place for spectacle for or or public domain because they they were they were designed to if you go in you could get trapped or you can get enclosed yourself or like you know i think i think that's that's something i've heard before i forget exactly where but yeah, that, that sometimes tombs are designed to, you know, trap people who, who go in who are not supposed to be there. Yeah. This one was for uh, predator practice, <laughs> rite of pra- passage. So, Oh, so they were, like, designed to, like, keep them on their toes? Like, it's kind of like, an, uh, uh, like a, a, in a sense, an obstacle course for the predators? Yeah. So, like, the, so basically the predators in AVP, so they got um, humans to build this pyramid which is their right. ritual grounds. So, and they had the queen there so that she would just pop out eggs, giving birth to the bait for them. And so, so they just send down their predator kids, their teenagers, to, to fight and to, you know, bring them into their major warrior, adult warrior status. So I'm curious, are, are these two species on this, or are they on the same planet or just in like... That's what I was, that's, that's the one thing that I'm kind of confused about. They're in the same universe. So, and it's funny Mm -hmm. because this timeline that I'm referring to, it's really odd. So this person puts alien predator and Blade Runner within the same universe. I'm kind of like Blade Runner is a stretch, but I guess like he's got the, he's got a a lineup. I'll, I'll put the link. um, We'll put the link in the show notes, but it's, it's, pretty interesting if anybody's listening that um has a theory about that i i'm fascinated because he did throw in the blade runner timeline as um let me just see my list here so blade runner comes in after the predator the 2018 movie and before prometheus the 2012 movie so i'm like what anyway it's very confusing i think it's because there's like whole fandom wiki pages that and it's very thorough i have to say that talk about the crossovers and then in between all the films are comics are graphic novels about the predator and alien and all of this so it's it's pretty in depth i feel like i know some just from our cursory knowledge of just people that we know uh, or that are genre fans are really staunch no staunch and fierce fans of the alien franchise and the timeline of it mm-hmm. well and because um alexa appears way before ripley that's the one thing i was like, what yeah apparently this alien versus predator happens before no. the first alien film and for the 1979 one because remember they're way in the future right and if we're we're going along timelines, apparently this person says, this Croft talks about film, 
or talks about movies, says that um, Alexa's experience with Alien and Predator, because the Predator and Alien have been around forever, apparently, if you're going along this lines. So mm-hmm. she's happening well before Ripley encounters the alien. So that means Whalen Industries has been around oh. for that, that long as well, right? So I was like, what? <laughs> so if anybody's listening has another theory, like, please comment because um, it, it really is. It's confusing. There's a lot of information. There's a lot that happens within this universe. Yeah, and I am not a scholar of either franchise, so... Neither. I just like, A, that it was Sanaa Lathan, and B, that it was Alien meeting Predator. So I'm like, serve me up a large, large heap of that on my plate. <laughs> Listen, we are a podcast. We are the Rooting for Everyone Black uh, podcast. Uh, yep. Quote Issa Rae. So <laughs> that's kind of where we're coming from with this. But we still, of course, have a knowledge and a love and an admiration for genre films. Yep. But like, what what was your experience, by the way, of of Alien versus Predator? Like, what what was what was it for you? I don't one thousand percent remember, but I did see it. It was like home. I don't know if it. I don't know if it was a rental or something on television that I watched. I knew I wanted to see it. I was just like, oh, okay, this sounds cool because I had I had seen Predator and of course I had seen the original Alien. Um, I had seen Predator later than Alien though, and I remember really really liking the original Predator, like mm-hmm. really liking it. And so I was into like watching this, watching this movie again. I didn't know I didn't know what to expect. I didn't again. I wasn't really focused on Sanaa Lathan too much. Um, of course, I had seen Love and Basketball, but I was like, but at the time, I think I was yeah, I was still in college, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll see this movie. So I, I probably something I had like you know watched on cable or whatever. And yeah, I really it was one of those movies that you know was that experience where I was just like, as the turn of events was kind of like moving forward, and like Sanaa Lathan was kind of the last you know woman or last person standing. I was just like, wow! Like I was in awe of the fact, that like yeah, I, you know, it's that before I really had a language and articulation for black people in horror or genre movies. Like just you know, it had it had that kind of like that feeling of like yeah, she survived and yes, and I think I I, I think I like the alliance she had with the predator like something again it was that well, we talk about this a lot when we talk about horror specifically we talk about how sometimes it can be a very subversive and progressive genre because we find ourselves identifying with the monster more than we do with the humans in in a film and for me I've always I think the intel I think I've always respected the predator as a character specifically because it had, because it had that intelligence that I was talking, referring to before. And the fact that Sanaa was smart enough to like on point for, for, for her, for survival sake, she understood. I have to, you know, take in, I have to, everything that I've been learning through, through this very intense experience, I can't, it can't be just fight or flight. I have to interject some of the intellect that I have and some of the things that I've learned and work with this and work with this um, creature in order to survive this or to try to survive. And she did. And I just, from something about that, when she put that, when she took the, that artifact, or I don't know if it was a gun or some sort of, um, yeah, it was like their shoulder, some, some sort of relic. It was like a shoulder cannon. Yeah. Thing, right. Yeah. Yeah. So she took it off and she like, 
she gave it she gave it to him him or her i don't know if we're gonna gender predators i guess not mm-hmm. but she, mm-hmm. she she gave it to the predator and i was just like yeah that's that's how it's done like i just there's something about that and i think um we're gonna talk about this a little bit more but people i'm going to highly recommend buying diana adesola mafe's book it's called where no black woman has gone before subversive portrayals in speculative film and tv and she has a chapter on alien versus predator it's called what is it called? Let's see. I believe it's very it's a very simple title, but it's in the book. It's called Last One Standing: Alien versus Predator. So I highly recommend buying the book um, and reading this particular chapter because it really she does a really great job of going in depth about it. But I what I loved is that like she she focuses on Lex's character as you know not just oh it's so great that this black woman is. Um, basically the final girl in a sense in this film but she goes deep into the psychology and the analysis of the gender and racial other in the film because it's kind of a three-pronged thing where the alien predator and lex are these racial and gender others in opposition to Waylon, which is kind of symbolic of this kind of 20th century white patriarchal imperialism and these three two in particular form an alliance in order to you know they destroy that ideal they destroy what people think is the heroic or conquering or more dominant um institution and it it crumbles because of these racial and gender others funny enough Mm -hmm. it's true like you know bishop is like the colonizer (laughs) you know yes oh give me that i'm gonna bring i'm gonna put these people in danger to get what i want and, you know, here comes uh, Alexa or Lex and she's like, OK, if you're going to put people in danger, we're going to do it my way so that I can protect them. Like, I really, you know, when she was laying down the law about how that expedition was going to go, it was it was really empowering because she's full of confidence. She has ego, which I like because a lot of times they write female characters who are supposed to be egoless, but she has ego. She knows what she can do. She knows she's the best at her job and she's going to tell you, you know, that was a very empowering moment. And then when she talks to um, the other woman, I think the only other woman, which is Adele, she, they're like, you know, Hey, you got to be prepared for whatever they throw at us, you know? And there's like that kind of nice kinship there with women but I just that was a very a very powerful moment for her to show that she has this agency regardless of the colonizer she's going to take charge of what she can do yeah I feel like because it it almost seems like uh she she realizes that they're going to go down there regardless even though she at first she's just like no I'm not doing this Mm -hmm. but she does kind of take a um a more of a leadership role because she yeah I mean her ego is that is a perfect balance right because she she knows what she's doing and she knows this expedition is incredibly dangerous, but she feels like I'm the best person for this job. That not even not because they asked me to be here, but because she knows. Like she's comparing and contrasting like these other two people that they've optioned to bring in. Yeah. And this other person apparently is unqualified and she's telling them and she's like, That person's not ready. And she just takes it upon herself to do it. Now you could argue that's sacrificial. It isn't, though, because of how the movie kind of ends, how it comes full circle. But it's the idea and the fact that she does take a leadership role. and she. But it's, it's very demanding. I'm like, if you're going to do this, you're going to do this my way. So I 100% agree with you on that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and it, it it's weird because another that's another moment where she's like, no, I have to do this because 
you know, a lot of women would be like, well, well, I guess not a lot of women, but um, how can I put this? Women might be intimidated by just the way Waylon was presenting the other people and like, you know, women who have been beaten down by the patriarchy or, you know, just by societal norms, they may not have risen to the challenge. But I think he knew her personality or he kind of had an inkling that she was not going to back down, you know, when he started mentioning these other people who are less than qualified. So he was playing into her ego as well. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Good good observation. I, I was going to say, yeah, I knew... When I first saw this, I knew. I'm like, this woman is on an icy mountain. Looks like she's miles from civilization or even a person. And she's on this mountain and this ice. And she's like, and she's, you know, trying to climb up this mountain by herself. I knew that she was a bad bitch. Like, I was just like, because I could and would never. Yeah. And it just and she just has such a confidence and boldness about her. She's clearly been trained to do this. She has, she has built up her her bravery, if for lack of a better term, enough to, in order to be in Nepal on a mountain amongst other mountains and climb it with no one else around, just the safety of her own wherewithal and know it all and know know with all. I don't know. That's not a word, but you know what I mean. But to to do <laughs> yeah. all of that. Just I, you, she, I, I, Anderson did that beautifully because even my my small twenty something brain understood. I'm like, no, this is this is someone I know she's gonna be someone to kind of like revere because just th- that her introduction just lets you disestablish it again. That all oh, whole idea of just telling a story visually without saying anything just makes yeah. me go, okay, yeah, totally. She knows, of course, she can do this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, th- that was I think for me just seeing her doing all these things and no one really questioning her well can she really do that no one brought up the fact like oh there's this black chick who does she think she is like she is confident and she approaches it because she knows what she's doing and nobody questions that and I just I love that like love throughout the movie no one really second guesses her I think there's one person what's his name um uh, Verheiden, uh, he's played by Tommy Flanagan, who, if if anybody's watched Sons of Anarchy, um, he was uh, he was on that show. I forget his character's name, but um, he was really good on that show. Anyway, um, and he was also in Westworld, the, the last season. But um, he kind of threw a little bit of shade, but um, I think that was just his character in general because he was kind of um, he was kind of a hard headed, you know, duty dude. And uh, he basically ended up getting his in the end, but <laughs> he was the only person that threw a little shade towards her. But um, everyone else was like, okay. And they actually all wanted her to come on the expedition because she was an expert. There's always going to at least be one person. Yeah. At least one. It's going gonna, it's gonna to challenge any woman's, especially a black or a person of, or a woman of color's authority. There's, all, there's always going to they, they, I mean, real life, films they're there they're they're almost inescapable oh yeah and like at least it wasn't the other woman to throw her shade because i'm so tired of that you know i'm so tired of that i like that they had that little bonding moment yeah it was brief but yeah definitely yeah. there's a there, respect that they had for each other i mean yeah, there, there could have been more <laughs> you know and i i saw a criticism of this film uh one of many 
and they said it was too dark, like in terms of lighting. But when you look at the film following this, the um, the Alien versus Predator Requiem, which is again, don't watch it; it's terrible. The lighting in that was so horrible; it was so dark. I actually had to adjust my screen. Whereas I think they really skillfully um, lit um, Alien versus Predator. They it just has this beautiful blue tone. It's very cool looking and like. They lit, actually, I was listening to the commentary and Lance Heinrichsen, I'm sorry, I love this man. He seems so pleasant. He was, um, it was Sanal Lathan, Lance Heinrichsen and um, Anderson. And every time a shot came on with um, Sanal, uh, Lance would interrupt. He's like, look at this, look at how beautifully lit she is. Oh, it's just so beautiful. And I'm like, can I just, can we have you, Lance? <laughs> like, <laughs> so like, he just loves this film. He loves the film. And it's true. Like the lighting was really good. And I, I, it was dark because it was supposed to be dark, but it wasn't um, like, you couldn't not see anything. I saw a lot of detail within the way they lit that, that movie. So I don't know. What did you think? Yeah. I don't know where that's coming from. I watched the movie and didn't see any issues with lighting. And I have watched movies where it, it was way too dark, but this one definitely wasn't. I mean, if you, I think it's, I think it's done for effect because first of all, you're considering a movie that's taking place under, under, underground in a sense. But also there's a whole idea that, that predators and aliens were an ex- uh, to, to an extent, they camouflage. So um, aliens can kind of blend in with, you know, the walls and the surroundings, but in the predators do in their own kind of unique way where they can kind of like put this kind of invisible cloak on, on themselves. So I think the lighting is purposeful in that way to kind of like, I think it's kind of, what's the word? It kind of builds like the the anxiety or the horror in the particular film, because you're kind of like, you're always looking for that threat. You know, you know, it's somewhere in your vicinity or right around the corner. And so, and I think they played that up really well because even when they're walking in this one corridor where they do have the kind of, um, the statues erected of the predators, like the predators are there, but you can't tell where they are, which, you know which space they are like the one person's walking and then they get and then they get um they get choked by like this kind of invisible what would you call it like a like a noose but not really a noose because oh. it kind of looked like a barbed wire noose in a sense um what is it is it called um oh my god i look up the word it's like a garret a garot garot something like that but you get yeah. the point right yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. like that kind it. of yeah. like the dark tone to the movie or the coolness to it first of all there is taking place in like in the Arctic, a cinematographer would go towards more cooler tones. Yeah. Like even when they, they you get the um the highlights of like the reds, like when they're using um when they're using flares. Yeah. yeah. So when they're using that, you see kind of the yellow. It's still you still get that icy, that coldness to it. So it has so the lighting is very purposeful, but you can still see the movie just fine. I don't understand where that even is coming from. Yeah, I didn't understand. I guess I'm I'm using that as an example of people kind of grasping at straws. I mean, yes, okay, some of the CGI wasn't that great. Um the story was a little weak, uh but I just I don't know. It I feel like people give worse films a pass, you know? And this was like I feel people slept on this film. Like it's an adventure film. It's one of the first isn't it the first crossover film with two iconic monsters like Alien versus Predator? That was their first crossover film, right? I think Freddy versus Jason came before this. Was it? Oh, okay. So I think so, yeah. 
I don't know. I just think people slept on this film. It's not as bad as everybody says. And I it got 21% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, come on. <laughs> you have to take this film for what it is. Like you said, it's an, it's an action-adventure film. So it, it's all yeah. about, you know, expedition, body count. And, and the adventure behind it and yeah I, that's why i said like like scholars like mafi and us like you have to there's there's deeper kind of like codes in, in this film or symbols in this film that kind of tell that kind of t- talk about the deeper meanings it talks about um it's a, it's a movie also about class because even the alien franchise itself is definitely about it's a, it's a class it's a, it's a film about class like when you think about it yeah it's a film that's taking taking place in space and it's futuristic but they're basically trash collectors in the original film right they're kind of just like right space garbage folks so and then and then the second in the aliens it gets more deeper into that because again if there's an there's a corporate dude there played by paul riser and he's all about you know getting this getting this alien or this or this species for a bigger profit for some for some capitalist reason it's not about so mm-hmm. you know screw human life we want our product because we want to make money we there's a profit to be made there's a potential profit to me to be made from this so and i think the same thing with wayland a, a, a this similar idea someone with an immense amount of wealth who can kind of buy anything or anyone and he wants this particular conquest so i it, so the, you have you have class issues going on you have again the idea of race about like the racial and gender other of the alien of the mother mm-hmm. and you also mm-hmm. have the predator who's coded as black and then female the way his face looks and the way and, and so this is a thing i wanted to get into not necessarily get into but uh, I, oh, I, I struggle with the word dreadlock versus locks. And I know people, it makes me a little uncomfortable, honestly. People use dreadlocks a little too, like, fluidly. Um, dreadlocks yes. is not necessarily a bad thing. So there's a lot of conflicting, not maybe not conflicting, or maybe just multiple histories behind that word. There's the idea that um, slave traders or slave owners, when we, when, People would have their hair in that particular style. They called it dreadful, so that's where the that's where the word comes from. But then there's also this concept of it's also the, the also this the terms also stems from I believe black and brown people using the word the word dread is derived from again their kind of spiritual practices of we we dread the presence of the living God, so that's why we call ourselves dreads because uh, we right. we we dread God's presence because we are fearful we are fearful of god if that makes any sense so i'm here so there are multiple kind of ideas if you think about the word dreadlocks i prefer the term locks just because i don't like the word dread so to speak so yeah well actually funny you say that because let's let's go to the film just before predator 2 which is the most laziest writing and racist writing i've ever seen it's horrible um, that was also taken from a, a, a comic. And they basically pit Colombians and Jamaicans against each other in a drug war. Um, apparently it was t- based on actual gangs in New York. But they um, have the Jamaican gang practicing voodoo. And I'm like, y'all got the wrong people. Yeah, that's not even the <laughs> right. Know? No, like it's just lazy. Um, Calvin Lockhart was in it. He was in... Uh, he was like a like yeah, a famous the beast must um, die. yes um he was in predator 2 he played like the um the drug Jamaican drug lord and it was like sir 
<laughs> what are you doing in this movie? It was just really offensive. And they, they use, and the thing is like, you know, Rastafarians, if you're going to use that and Jamaicans, you have to use it properly because Rastafarianism is a way of living. It's, it's, you know, it, it, it um, originates from Jamaica. Um, and one of their beliefs is that they're, you're not supposed to cut your hair, hence the locks, right? Mm-hmm. So there's also that as well. And um, I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but I did do some reading. Uh, I was doing some research. I think it was for university. So I, I went deep into the whole culture of Rat- Rastafarianism and their religion. And, it, you know, it's it gets a bit more in depth, but I just don't like how, and then also um, I believe Stan Winston, he created the predator makeup and special effects. And he designed the character, I believe. Um, And he was like, yeah, we just wanted this big dreadlocked, you know, warrior. And it's like, you can't like, it's just so thoughtless, you know? Yeah. I think that's what bothered me the most is that they did not put any thought. Now the, the predator in, uh, a an alien versus predator the movie we're discussing now is um a lot more thoughtful because they are kind of involve like you know several i guess they're appropriating several cultures <laughs> the predator has more of a samurai look um futuristic you know mm-hmm. like it could anything but i mean the 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 locks have injured so that's my only issue. I don't know. I just think it, it, it. I have an issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. When you're when you're addressing when you're designing these kinds of things, you have to. It's, it's people not considering, to an extent, the larger implications of what that monster would appear to be. If there's a, because because of course there's a similarity to, the equation of blackness, is that again we're doing that thing with the with the other or the monster is that we're coding it as black, essentially. And that can have, you know, multiple meanings and most of them are not necessarily good, especially if you're not, if you're watching this without the kind of the understanding the nuances of how the, how these portrayals are enacted on films, especially in genre films like horror, sci-fi, action, so, so forth and so on. So I think that's the issue. I love the design, but I also have an aware, have an awareness of its larger implications. Uh, I think for AVP, again, as someone who, and as I'm sure a lot of people who are listening and even future folks who listen have this, have a, have a understanding of portrayal, uh, portrayals of POCs and black people in these particular genre films can see this particular rendition of a predator as something Again, I can't get over the the alliance he has with Lex. And again, when you see the other predators come about, and they have again, they have a sophistication about themselves where th- this is a ritual that they that they haven't been enacting for who knows how many how many every years, but also these markings or whatever they do um, as a community or as a tribe, they they can recognize in someone else. So when he when he when the predator marks Lex, it's that marker was kind of like, you know, again, another signal for, for survival, uh, not just, you know, how they have endured the aliens, but also how other predators see her and they respect her, even though she's not their species. Mm-hmm. If that makes, if any of that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. No, it does. And um, 
you know how when there's a threat, oh, we immediately kill it. We're going to kill it, kill it, kill it. But because there just seemed to be some intelligence and some sophistication with the predator, she she kind of had to reason her way out of it instead of just kill, 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 you know, which I really liked. And that showed, right? I guess, a, a sort of a kinship as well, where she kind of knew, okay, well, how am I going to get out of this? I'm going to have to, because something that has a shoulder cannon, you know, a species that has something like that or has that, that elaborate of, of a training ground has intelligence. So I don't know if she just innately felt that way or if she just kind of figured it, but she had to appeal to their intelligence in order to get out of there. So it's, it's, and I don't know if they're now it's, it's written by men, but I just felt that they were quite sensitive to the fact that maybe women would approach these situations with a bit more thoughtfulness. Yeah, exactly. Um, Oh, also the person that played predator, um, the first two films was uh, Kevin uh, Peter Hall, who is black. I think he was like seven, seven, two. He was like super tall and he just seemed like a really nice dude from like, you know, the behind the scenes. Um, so I don't know if that informs the char- the character of the predator anymore, but he was black. And then the guy in um, Alien versus Predator was uh, he was white. So I don't know. I don't know if that matters. <laughs> oh, okay, that's but, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, not necessarily. It's all about. I think it's all about the script and what the director decides to do with yeah. the script. Uh, I know a, a sidebar black fact. I think about the original guy who played the predator. I believe he was. Oh my god, this is for my people who really know their black sitcom. So I believe the woman who played Rose in two right. seven. I think that was her husband. Oh really? Huh. <laughs> Just a little sidebar fact. Okay. I, I wanted to bring up, but. That's so cute. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that. Yeah, I, I believe it is about the, the script and the director, but yeah, as far as the way it was portrayed, because it's still because he's still under heavy prosthetics and still this, he's still this coded monster. So yes, yeah. It, it, apparently, Sanaa wasn't that thrilled to do this role, and they had uh, auditioned several actresses, um, and then she ended up winning out. And the whole process was apparently quite quick. She just kind of. You know, I, like got the call and then went out and they filmed it in Prague. So she did like, a, I think, a several hour audition and then they flew her out to Prague like right after she got the role. So it was a pretty fast process. But um, yeah, she basically slayed in that role. Yeah. From what I from what I've seen. Yeah. She was like the last person that uh, Anderson uh, and they auditioned and she said she it seems like if like she said she tried everything not to get the role yeah uh for i think again paul ws anderson wanted he didn't want another ripley he wanted something fresher and newer to add to this which you know i think he did a good job of doing that um and yeah i just it's it it always disappoints me when i hear people say that like i didn't really want this role but they took it anyway Mm. and they were really good in it and i'm just like that's that's just another hang up i have i just wished people embraced genre film more but it's i i understand it's not for everyone but it's it's a lot more fun if i if you hear there are actors or performers out there who like enjoyed their role or embrace their role or even like genre film enough to you know 
go after it because it's just like because i know there i'm sure there were dozens of actresses who probably auditioned who like love this genre who probably like knew both franchises in and out then they get to some, then for somebody to get it and they're like eh, it's just kind of like oh come on man yeah i i kind of got that impression because we were talking before like it's very hard to get a read of sana she's very guarded i i don't you know i mean in some ways i don't blame her because hollywood's gross but yeah, she was very guarded. And I just every interview that I read, uh, she just basically told the same story, more or less. Um, and she said she was dating somebody new and she didn't want to. She was like enjoying her new relationship and didn't want to leave. But she said it was a good thing. <laughs> it ended up being a good thing because it wasn't the best relationship. Yeah, but she, you know, has said time and time again that she had a great time on the set um, and that Anderson was a wonderful director and everybody just has had a great time. So at least it grew on her. But yeah, just, um, I, I don't know, just a little fatigued with the kind of the genre snobbery. I'm just, it's fatiguing to me because it's been around forever. I mean, Rosemary's Baby is in the Library of Congress now, you know? It's respectable. The Exorcist won an, an award, mm-hmm. an Oscar. It's a respectable genre, but I guess it has to be a certain type of film for it to get respect. And I don't, and that comes into play with Alien versus, versus Predator. And and because I guess it didn't check all the boxes for fans and critics, it's just overlooked. I think Sana comes off a bit guarded because her father is a really well-known director. He's a really prolific director. So he's been in the business for a long time. And I think she's kind of been a showbiz kid kind of like under his, not, not necessarily under his tutelage, but, but, you know, as the, as the, as the daughter of a man who's been in the business for so long, she's probably seen a lot of things and kind of has probably been privy to how the business works for a long time. Mm-hmm. So that might have a lot to do with the way she has decided to conduct her, her public persona and her career and even her career choices, maybe to an extent as well. So I know she's had romances with um, other actors, but for the most part, yeah, I, I, it doesn't surprise me that she's someone she does see, she does come off as very elusive. She's not even someone I think of immediately when I think of um, people who are in the spotlight. I mean, it, I guess it's a double-edged sword. Cause like some people are in the spotlight too much and are kind of just chasing attention constantly. And there are some people who are like, like Sade, who you want to know more about, but you never yeah, will. Exa- she's exactly like that. You know what? And it's like, people's need to mind their business, I guess. Cause they're like, Oh, who's she dating? Oh, what's happening? Oh, I heard she's this and that she's difficult, blah, blah, blah. But it just sounds like she's just trying to live her life, <laughs> you know, trying to live her life. And she enjoys acting. And I guess part of that whole Hollywood thing is to be in the public eye. So what are you going to do? You got to have to, t- you have to take the good with the bad, right? So she's just doing her thing. I still love her though. I still love her so much. <laughs> yeah. And I question the, the, the quote unquote being difficult. I do question that, especially when people say that about women. Yes. Cause that could mean a, that could mean a variety of things. And I don't want to, and I'm not, and I would never take that at face value. Exactly. You can't just take that as someone you can't, you just can't work with. I just don't believe that. I just, I think that has a lot to do with, but it's coding, isn't it? It's coding for women because, oh, she's difficult. Well, maybe she's not a pushover and maybe she's not going to take the crap that you're dishing out, right. you know, because 
Um, I mean, I've had issues where at work where it's like, well, you know, oh, you're not being, um, oh, what's the word that she used? You're not being oh. open to suggestions, blah, blah, blah. Well, when the suggestion is basically making me do three times the work when it's unnecessary, I'm not going to be open to it, you know? <laughs> um, it, it, people don't like it when women stand up for themselves. And when you're a woman of color or a black woman, it's even worse. Oh, yeah. So especially if you're a black woman, it's worse because then they, they code you as uppity, as difficult, as, you know, aggressive, as angry. And it's like, no, I'm just looking out for myself. And I also think a lot of people, you know, sometimes I think there, I think there's a, there's a consensus that, you know, there's there, so, someone or something is always looking for an excuse to keep us in these marginalized positions or these positions of lesser power or influence or input. And I think the, one of the easiest things to say is that, you know, black women or women of color are difficult because we are asserting some, some level of autonomy. It's just like the recent article that came out, you know, about the st- about the stunt double and the woman was in blackface and the character is black and Ugh. the black woman goes to the producer and the producer says well you should just be happy to be here and that's this but this is the kind of thing and then sure enough this actress is probably her name has probably been swirling around in the business and it's probably the, the word difficult has probably been used so these are the kinds of things we're kind of grappling with yep or uh i had one time i made a comment uh, at a job I was at, the company made millions, but they didn't want to give the staff a birthday or, I'm sorry, a Christmas party. And so I'm like, oh, uh, hmm, they made a lot of money this year and they don't want to give us a Christmas party. And then my manager was like, oh, you should be grateful you have a job. And it's like, excuse me? Wow. <laughs> like, if somebody else had said that, then I don't think she would have reacted that way. I really don't. But because it came from me. And then, you know, I got written up for that. <laughs> and then he tried to get me to sign a form. What? To say that I agreed that I was like, sign in that form. And then, yeah. And then I got a call for another job and I quit. <laughs> so that was a great moment. One of the great Carolyn moments. <laughs> I'm not even surprised. I've been at jobs where you can't speak up. And people are constantly looking to sabotage you because they're threatened by you. And I've had that happen to me too. So I get it. Um, I, I think, and that happened like, that happened like right after grad school. And I I think that terrible job experience really made me realize, okay, I'm like, okay, I know exactly what I don't want to do and what I don't like the kind of environment I don't want to ever be in because it's, it was scary because it is people, the culture of it, they value silence and conformity more than anything else and that's 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 cult behavior and i'm like oh heck no i'm not about this life so i that's how i really learned how to like navigate in like in um, office spaces and, and knowing what i could tolerate and what i just would not so we're going we're going on a long kind of like tangent but like to but to come around to the main point about sanaa lathan you know this actress this character there it's Again, they have broader implications about our society and about our everyday lives, even personally and publicly. And um, yeah, that's why Lex's character was so important because, again, um, as to Mafe's uh, thesis, is that she defies every she def- she defies she defies that white 
patriarchal imperialism. She defies all of it um, at every, literally at every turn, not just when she aligns herself with the predator, but even in the very beginning, like we've discussed. And so, and I think that's why I love her character. That's why um, on grievedrushesisters.com, you can see um, I did a blog post about that. And I said, she's one of the most radical final girls ever because she absolutely positively is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, she's, I mean, you said it like she stands up for every and it's kind of crazy that white men wrote her character, <laughs> you know, now they didn't write that character specifically as black, but I think it's it comes full circle that she is, you know, and and it makes it as you're saying it it's radical. Yeah, again, I think it, it does. It adds to you. You. You factor in the optics again of race and gender, and it just adds a whole adds even more meaning and more texture to it. Like it's it's a it's a gumbo for analysis in a sense, and I, that's what I really appreciate about it. And again, I always I always say this, uh, you know, we as audience members, as critics, as scholars, as just fa- as just casual fans, we give meaning to these films. They become bigger than what they may even have set out to be because of us and it's you know maybe paul ws anderson just wanted to make this really cool sci-fi horror action thriller adventure but it's it becomes something much more it becomes sometimes it becomes a game changer for a lot of people for even black women specifically or black girls who see this and see themselves again as the hero i i can't emphasize that enough i don't know if i don't know how bored or tired uh, are, that people are of hearing us or me or anyone else say this, but it is really important to see yourselves in these movies and to see yourselves in these positions. Absolutely. And I feel like in this universe, um, this is one of the uh, alien versus predator is one of the more sophisticated films to be put out in this universe. And the only thing that I think fails Alexa is that the ending of the film we don't know what happens to her. We see her walking towards one of those tractor things and we don't know what happens to her. And it's really open-ended and not to say that I would, I would like to see, you know, Oh, she, you know, makes it. And then she, you know, goes off into the sunset, but just there's, and I know that I'm sure Sana didn't want to do another film. Well, I'm not, I can't say that I'm sure. I'll just say that she most likely didn't want to do another film, but I just feel that the character and I'm wondering if anybody reads the comic books, if they continue with her character in a comic book, perhaps, but I just, it's, I guess kind of leaves me a bit melancholy that she's kind of, she goes off into the um, snow (laughs) in her little snow tractor and she's never to be heard from again. I guess it, it just, it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of a sad moment and it's triumphant, but I just feel like, well, where is she? You know, I just would like to know more about this character. Yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I just, it just kind of, it's unfinished for me, I think is what I'm trying to say. It's just unfinished. I'm going to go back to, again, her her introduction scene. I'm Physically, I'm sure she's going to be A-okay. She's going to, she has probably planned for every worst worst case scenario and the absolutely unexpected worst case scenario happened with these creatures her getting back to civilization on her own i think she's cool she's aces on that 
we don't get the whole we don't get that character arc that we got with Ripley that we do with her but again maybe we don't need it so in my I've mentioned this online before I've written about it hoping gets published one day but my concept of the black final girl which she which she really <laughs> is is that for me i'm looking at this character from and, and from my now from my analysis knowing that she is going to you know continue to kind of grapple with this i grapple with this she's going to endure but she's also going to again she's going to come up against you know a white patriarchal capitalist you know people and also institutions and also you know deal with the aftermath and the PTSD of dealing with these monsters that, you know, were almost trying to annihilate her to, you know, and again, the ambivalence of the predator trying to do that is, you know, that's something that could be contested, but she, it's not even sad for me. I guess it's sad in a sense because I'm so sick of black women having to tolerate and endure unnecessary uh, pain and abuse. And Mm. unfortunately that's the, that's the thing that I'm imagining, but as this is speculative fiction, I can also imagine her finding some joy and peace in whatever she desires down the line. And again, what Mafe asserts is that that joy or that, or she's not motivated by a man's affection and she's not motivated by children. Like she also points out to particular uh, scenes where she's talking to the other a male character he's talking about like his sons and how he's like, you know, he's all about his family and all about his children. And she's just kind of like, eh. Like she's just so indifferent to yeah. anything maternal or romantic. And again, that's another great kind of like, I. that's what, what I like about her as well. She's not, I mean, clearly she, you know, I think everyone has a sentimental relationship and she does talk about her father mm-hmm. and, but you know, it's, but again, she's not, but it, it definitely, I guess this movie, I don't know. If, no, no, I don't think this movie, maybe it passes the Bechdel test. I don't know. But again, there's no motivations of that. Um, are rooted in being a mother or being a wife or somebody's girl or somebody's side chick or nothing like that. It's just all about this mission and all about her occupation. Well, and I like that, you know, um, his name, uh, Raul Bova, like they have this connection, but it's nothing romantic. It's like they, they have a mutual respect for each other and, um, they, it seems like they genuinely like each other and are interested in, what each person has to offer to this expedition but they didn't push that further because you know how in some movies all of a sudden a couple of characters the most attractive characters go and have sex for whatever reason Mm -hmm. um so i really like that this that they had like this kind of mutual respect and it seemed like they liked each other and they were working together to try and, you know, get away from this alien threat. So I think that was, that's really important too. And I did like that line that she said, um, I think when uh, the Scottish uh, scientist, he's like talked about his kids and she's like, your kids aren't that cute right. to try and keep her. Yeah. I'm like, Ooh, shade. <laughs> but I, I kind of, I really dug that because it just showed more of her personality, but I don't know, I guess maybe, to the ending seeing her walk off alone it's kind of mixed feelings for me because she's triumphant and she's done it on her own steam but then again I'm like what else is new you know yeah. aren't we always doing that <laughs> not that mm-hmm. somebody should rescue her but I wanted I just wanted to see like maybe I don't know like you know in the ending of um I know you're gonna hate me for this but the ending of get out like 
Chris doesn't have a lot of family members. Like we don't have like his, his mother died, but then his friend comes to help him, you know, mm-hmm. like not to say, cause it would have, it would have been ter- a terrible ending if she's like calling her friend going, Oh my God, you wouldn't believe what just happened. Like, Oh my God, <laughs> that would not have served any purpose in the film. But I guess just in my head, I don't know. It just would have been nice to see her with some other connection. I don't know. Maybe it's just me because I love Sana so much. <laughs> it's like a weird, a weird fan, you know, fandom for me. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I think no. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think just I think with the point of the that the film is trying to make, maybe she's just a person who likes her solitude that much. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Again, we, the, the, we, the, this film doesn't necessarily, we don't need to have an exploration more of her relationship with her father. We don't need that. No. But yeah, no. just maybe this is just, she, maybe she's just one of those people because I know, I know those people. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my ex next door neighbor was like that 70 years old thriving. She was just like, I have my own house. I live by myself. I've never been married. I have no children. I'm good. So there are people like that who are genuinely happy and genuinely content, and that's how they live their lives. And maybe she's just one of those people. I mean, we don't, again, we don't get enough insight to be confident that that's who she is, but we get just enough to speculate that possibly, maybe, yeah, sure, why not, you know? Yeah, because the whole mountain climbing scene at the beginning, she's, uh, She's doing it on her own and she seemed quite content. I mean, she did have her connection, which was the phone in her ear kind of thing, the earbud. And I think maybe that's just all she needed. She's needed a nice, a nice mountain, you know, a nice pick and she's ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a quote if I can. Oh, yes. So I have a quote from Diana uh, Maffey's from the book, which I really, which I really, really like. Lex, a black woman, is madder out of place because she doesn't symbolically belong in a sci-fi action thriller or a Lovecraftian horror tale. Genres that prioritize white male subjectivity and heroism. If she disrupts these patterns of representation by her mere presence, then she surely implodes them by being the hero. And I just like that quote a lot. I think that hits it right on the nail for me. Oh, yeah. She's kind of uh, staking a claim, you know? Uh, and I'm talking about the character, not necessarily Sana, but I mean, she's staking a claim in this world and she succeeds every time, which is really important. We've been kind of hinting around this idea of the historical context for why her character is so radical and so phenomenal and so, you know, eye, an eye-catching for you know us particularly as black women and why we why we enjoy this character so much is because she doesn't you know everyone knows lovecraft was racist and misogynist and all of those terrible things and also just the history of you know black black or person of color participation in these in these genre films it they're they're very they're very scarce and so for her to come in and just this is literally her show she is driving the story whether people want to admit that or not and she you know again she blows all she blows every expectation out of the water and unfortunately because like you've mentioned before because of the critical and commercial failure of this film which oh i'm kind of with you on the fact that like this movie should get should have should receive more respect than it has gotten because i think because of everything we just talked about honestly (laughs) 
I don't know what else to say about that. I mean, I think because there's a, a, a the protagonist is a black woman. I mean, I'm just going to say it. I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, fanboys don't want to watch that. And then they'll, they'll tack on other things. Like as we were talking about um, some of the, the issues with the mythologies of, of the alien and what have you, they'll tack that on. We'll see that that makes it even worse and, and blah, blah, blah. So they'll tack on whatever excuse they can find to not like the film. But I think the core of it is that the main character is a black woman. So, and I'm sure people are going to say, well, no, that's not, that's not it. It's just a bad movie. Well, then it'll be it. Yeah. I think people really wanted a rip. I think subconsciously and consciously people wanted a Ripley and I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But she, I mean, she is a manifestation of uh, Ripley because even in um, Predator 2, uh, Maria Conchita, uh, is it Maria Conchita Gonzalez? She's in it, and her character is weirdly enough Ripley esque. You know, she's like a tough cop, and she's you know helping Danny Glover figure out what's happening, and because uh, her partner dies, um, gets killed by the predator, but she's also a character like that too, and she's a, a Latinx woman. So, you know, I think people kind of gloss over that as well so i think it's just that they they're not used to seeing uh black women and women of color in these types of roles and you know what y'all gotta get over it so <laughs> that's all i'm saying get over it or maybe rewatch uh alien versus predator and see the glory that it is <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah if you can, I mean, I understand. It's funny. I can't even. I can't even fake the funk because yeah. I hate Freddy versus Jason because it implodes the mythos that came before it. And I've seen a lot of more creative ideas swirling on the internet about it, and then they come up with this garbage that became that movie. And I'm just, it made me angry, and it still makes me angry. I can't. I can't even have fun with that film because it's just so dumb. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, will, I could I could I could leverage that consideration if people don't like this film, but because I'm looking at this particular film through the lens of like this black female hero, it becomes that much more interesting and, and intriguing to me. Because honestly, it is a straightforward action sci-fi movie. It is very straightforward in that sense, yeah. as far as the plot and the pacing. But you know, if you kind of unpack these symbols and the semiotics of it, you, there's so much more that that interests me personally. So I know it can't, it's not going to be for everybody. No, exactly. Yeah, it's not for everyone, but still like, you know, give it a bit of credit. I mean, I just, you know, what popped into my head is like all the Mission Impossible films. I'm like, meh. I, I mean, I can have it on if I'm like mopping the floor or something, <laughs> but I've never gotten into them. I've never got, but that's, those are hugely successful because obviously it's Tom Cruise and they have all these, you know, other stars in it and blah, blah, blah. And the effects, but you know, I mean, they, they had almost like, you know, they had similar kind of action and suspense and that sort of thing. And, and alien versus predator on a smaller scale. So I don't know, I guess you just can't fight it sometimes. <laughs> you just can't fight it. Yeah. But at least we know we love this film, so. Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else? No, I think that's it. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it for me too. So I, I think, you know, again, if you have the open mind, and again, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, reconsider Alien versus Predator if it wasn't your favorite the first time around. I would blame you. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would, but that's just me. <laughs> I'm a punk. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, yeah. No, reconsider it. <laughs> well, that does it for us, Carolyn. Your social media, please. Um, you can find me at uh, on Twitter at uh, VFD Pixie and Ashley. Where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at Ashley Takes Note. And uh, stay tuned for next time because we're going to record again and have a great episode. <laughs>